Welcome to Ami Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multifunding, Ami Kassar, and his co-host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multifunding, aka the SBA Queen, as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business. Hi, everyone. I'm Lynn Ozer, president of Multifunding, and we are here today with our next site podcast. And I'm so excited, I can't even really talk. I have today as our guest, Cassandra Bailey from Slice Communications. Cassandra is the founder, the owner, the CEO, the president of this company that has done so many incredible things. I've had the privilege of knowing Cass for a while, and I'm so excited that all of our listeners are going to get a chance to get to know her a little better. So welcome. Thank you. How are you? I am great, and I am just so happy to be spending time with you. And I am so happy that the world's going to get to listen to your story because I know a lot of it, but I am so excited for them to hear how you got to where you are. Your background is not exactly, you know, it doesn't scream business. And you have taken your really, your interpersonal skills and your knowledge and just exploded. So let's start, well, not all the way from the beginning, but what were you going to do when you got out of college? And what was your major? So when I went into college, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. That was the thing that everybody, when I was a kid growing up, were like, oh, you talk and you talk a lot. We see you being an attorney, (laughs) which I think happens a lot to little kids who are very verbal like I was. So I I went to college and I got a degree in international politics, economics, and philosophy um, and decided that I did not need to go to any more school, that I was completely done with school and I, I needed a break. And that's when I decided that maybe pursuing the law was not right for me. And law, law school at that time certainly was not right for me. So I, uh, I found an opportunity actually working in economic development. And that was really neat because I had the opportunity to work with people on economic policy and growth. And I got to work with startups and venture capital and seed funding. And that just met so many of my interests in a lot of good ways. That's terrific. So where were you? Were you still living in Washington at the time or you came back to this area? I came back to the Philly area. Yeah, Mm -hmm. where I I grew up in South Jersey. Most of my family was here and um, my grandmother was sick at the time and she was one of my soulmates in life. And I decided I wanted to be close to her. So the economic development agency that I worked with at the time was here in Philly. And that's that's how I came back. That's great. So then how did you make the transition from employee to employer? So the first thing there's I did, a lot that went in between. <laughs> there, there was. Um, when I was working in economic development, I started as an assistant in the marketing department. I was an executive assistant. It was a small organization, though, so I had the opportunity to manage our PR firm, our web development agency, our creative firm. And I realized through working with those amazing professionals that I loved what they did. And I wanted to go work with them. Like I really wanted to move into that world, especially the PR media relations world. So I got the opportunity from there to go work for an agency. And I loved agency life. And the thing about agency life is I think you either love it or you hate it. 
-hmm. And for me, the diversity of working with different clients and having every day be a different day really stimulated my brain in a lot of ways. And like you said, put some of my interpersonal skills to use and made me realize that, hey, that thing that I did from the time I was a kid, which was talking all of the time, was really (laughs) valued in an agency setting. That's right. It's great. Great. So go on. After you were working in an agency, you then took the next. Started an agency. Yeah. Started an agency uh, with a business partner. Decided that at the time I had a background in media relations. I'd been doing media relations and I recognized that social media was going to be this new emerging way for companies to interact with people. And so Slice was founded on that point of view, that media relations and social media really should work hand in hand that both of them are ways for companies to talk with people, media relations primarily through reporters and producers and social media directly with people. And so the agency was founded to bring those two things together. And how long ago was that? And I'm trying to remember, I I met you, I think when you were, you and your business partner went separate ways, correct? That's right. So the agency was initially founded about 15 years ago terrible time to start a business, really rough. But we had a niche and we had a focus and we fortunately had a very, very good network. So the business started, it grew, and then we actually sold a majority of the business. We sold 51%. That did not work out. And you're right, when I met you was just as I bought the company back. So I bought it back from the acquiring partner. I bought it back from my co-founder and became 100% owner. And that was in 2014, so almost 10 years ago. And thank God, Lynn, for you and your team, because at the time, I had no financing. I had no line of credit. We had no office. Like, I didn't know what we were going to do. But uh, you you were there like a safety net in that moment. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, because I think um, a lot of our listeners are interested in how you, you actually go and start a business and and then you find out you're walking down this path, everything's going well, and you sell your business, which a lot of people think that that's the ultimate is to build the asset and sell it. And then here you are in a position to buy it back mm-hmm. and and go out on your own. What what was it like? Were you scared? What were you thinking? It, it was working with somebody else and you just knew that you could it do was- it yourself. It was not working. There were a lot of things that I learned in that sale in terms of being the company that was acquired. So I did, and my partner and I did almost no due diligence on the company that was acquiring us. We didn't ask about or look at their books or their financials. We didn't ask or look at really their structure. We didn't ask about or look at their culture. There were all of these things that we didn't do. And It was probably because we were young and naive and we thought that selling was the cool, sexy thing to do. And so we overlooked a lot of the business questions we should have asked. Well, that's a good lesson for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We also didn't really understand the function that we were going to play in in the acquiring business. Mm -hmm. We didn't understand uh, the value that we would bring to them. They didn't truly understand the value that we would bring either or how our, our services would be integrated into what they were doing. None of that was really laid out. And so, right, yeah, lots, lots of landmines uh, that we walked into mm-hmm. um, and, and lots of ways that the business just wasn't going to work. So it took about a year, a little over a year to recognize that it wasn't a good fit. 
and that there were a lot of challenges that were being created by the acquisition and not a whole lot of opportunities. And so that's why I decided to to buy the company back and to take it in a, in a different direction. And yes, it was terrifying. We had moved into their office. We had integrated all of our books, all of our IT, all of our HR. They were managing it all for us. And suddenly I was in a position where I had to take it back and rebuild it and all of our banking relationships as well. And and that put us in a really rough spot. Did you have employees at the time? I did. Yeah. I think we had eight employees at the time. Now, were you able to keep their jobs or did they go to work for the acquirer? What happened? The thing that I am most proud of, Lynn, through that whole 14 months of craziness is that when I bought the company back, even though we were losing money, (laughs) which I realized once I got my eyes on the books again, uh, not a single employee lost their job or missed a paycheck. That's wonderful. It was a challenge and there was a lot of sacrifice and a lot of trust on their part in me and what we were doing with the company, but we, we were able to turn it around. You learned a lot about owning and running a business through the School of Hard Knocks. You did not necessarily know everything that you were getting yourself into. Tell everybody about your entrepreneurial education experiences. I know for a fact you went through a couple of different interesting types of training, not conventional, but tell us about that. Sure. So because I went to college for international politics, I had never taken a business course in my entire life, nor had I ever taken a marketing course. And so like a lot of entrepreneurs, I started the business because I could do a service and I thought I could do it well, not because I could run a business, which is a totally different thing. And so I, I recognized when I bought the business back, how much I didn't know. And like you said, it was a school of hard knocks. So that year when I bought it back, I had the opportunity to do the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, which was wonderful and insightful. And I also had the opportunity through WeBank to do a program at the Tuck School, which is an incredible business school. And I was there for a full week learning basics of of business, things like how to look at a P&L, how to really know what EBITDA is, how to recognize your debt to income ratio, all of these things that I didn't know. I didn't even know the terminology, what my costs of goods sold were and how to recognize what is a good ratio in terms of cost of goods sold related to overhead for an agency business like mine. I got to learn all of those things, thankfully, because the Goldman Sachs program and because we are a certified woman-owned business and really amazing (laughs) educators were willing to work with me and other women-owned businesses to help us learn these things. That's great. So the the importance of mentorship has really helped to boost your business. Absolutely. Yes. Thank God I've had some amazing mentors and people who are willing to invest their time in me, other women business owners, but then also other entrepreneurs in the agency world. Because otherwise, I don't know that I would have been able to make the leap from practitioner to business owner. I don't think I ever would have understood the difference between a lifestyle business and a growth or scaling business. Music to Ami's ears. (laughs) They are two different things. You know that, Lynn, right? But I didn't know that when I started. And uh, I have some amazing mentors who, who have taught me 
a lot about those two different things and how you approach them very differently in terms of being a business owner and an entrepreneur. And since you are a business owner and you do have to balance life and family and all of that, how do you do it all? <laughs> Some days better than others. <laughs> I, I'm also a member of uh, EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization now, as I know Ami is as well. And a number of listeners of your podcast, a number of guests of your podcast are also EO members. Absolutely. And through, through EO, I was introduced to the concept of balance is an unrealistic expectation. <laughs> it just is, right? Like right. And everybody has to define balance differently for themselves. And then they're hard on themselves when they feel like something is out of balance. In EO, some people have taught me much more about this idea of harmony that the two coexist, that your business and your life are able to coexist. That's and a that, great way to describe it. Yeah. And it's much more of a yin and yang where there are sometimes where the business needs more of you. And right. there's sometimes where your life or your family needs more of you. And there's sometimes that your charities need more of you. And making your business structure and operate in a way that when other parts of your being need you, you can give it to them will make your business more rewarding for you. And I've been very fortunate that uh, I've learned a lot about that approach. You, you are amazing. And the list of nonprofits and charities that you work for is incredible. It's not, and it continues to evolve. I think you go there and inject your energy and make a difference. I know that you don't have a list of boards and charities that you work with just to do that. I know because I've been on them with you. You put everything into it. How do you choose which one's going to get the benefit of Cass Bailey? Oh, Lynn, you're too generous. No, uh, no, but, no. <laughs> but I will say like, I do, I do have an approach to choosing where I spend my time. So I have learned so much about business management and leadership through boards that I've gained way more than I've given, way more. The first time I was ever forced to read a, a PL was when I was sitting on a board and to understand the different parts of bookkeeping and to understand like, how is this organization going to continue to operate? Like I had the great opportunity to learn those things before I even started my business a little bit, a little bit through sitting on boards. I also learned a lot about leadership transition. I was in two situations where we had to exit out an executive director from two different nonprofit organizations, how to interview for the new executive director, how to set goals, how to look for what we needed in a leader. And so I had the great opportunity to be able to do a lot of interviewing in my role at, on, on different boards. So when I think about boards, I look at what am I going to learn from them? What am I going to learn right. from the structure or the size of the organization? Uh, what am I going to learn from the other board members as well? What am I going to learn that I can apply to my business? So I look at Great. that. Then I look at how it aligns with my passion. What is it about this organization that gets me up in the morning that makes me excited to talk to other people about it and right. to record it uh, to to recruit other board members? So I have a real passion around literacy, around reading, around children, around technology. All of those things are important to me. And then the last thing that I look at is really, Thinking about how can I provide a special skill to this organization that they do not have today? So my special skill is primarily these days in marketing and communication sure, through social sure. media. So 
do they, do they need that? Do they need my special skill? And so when I consider a nonprofit, I look at those three things. What am I going to learn from them? Do they need my special skill? And does it ignite my passion? Right. Those are such important things. And it's so, I feel like when you're giving back like that, it just enriches everything that you do and brings so much to your organization. I think you've said it perfectly. Let's talk about what I think is a really exciting invention. That's not really the right word, but creation of yours. And that's social media day. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you got started? Because that's really your project, right? It is. So I did not create social media day. It was, I thought you did. Well, let me tell you the story. (laughs) Okay. It was created by a media organization called Mashable. Mashable Mashable.com. It was a tech website um, and the guy who started it and, and some of his team decided to start Social Media Day, which was intended to be a global day of celebrating and doing professional development around the social media industry. And different chapters around the world or different organizations around the world would host a Social Media Day celebration. It actually began in 2008. When I bought Sliceback in 2014, um, we were approached by a group of people in Philadelphia who wanted to do a panel um, conversation networking event for social media day, like to have a Philly instance of it. And I said, sure. Right. And we supported it. And then in 2015, we realized nobody was doing anything. So we decided to take the torch and because we believe, and I believe that Philadelphia has an amazing community of digital communicators and social media professionals and that we needed to be elevated and celebrated and have opportunities to network and grow together. So in 2015 is when we started, when Slice started hosting the first Social Media Day conference. Okay, that's what you created, the Social Media Conference here in Philadelphia. Here in Philadelphia. I stand corrected. No, no, it's okay. But I can't take credit for the idea for it. Maybe a little bit of credit for starting to get people excited in this area around it. So we hosted the, the first one in the first like big conference that we put on was in 2015. And we were hoping to get 100 people. And we got, th- I think, 380 that, that year. And it was just like an incredible opportunity to bring these people together. And it was inspiring. And it was thought provoking. And it was a really cool thing to do for the community. So we did it every year for a number of years, grew it. It became like a thing to a do thing. every year. And people started coming from all different parts of the country. And then uh, we decided two things. One, I knew I wasn't going to do it forever. Two, we knew that it needed to be more than just a day. And we needed like year round support for this community. And three, I knew that like Slice as an organization, we had some other priorities. We were growing in some different ways. And so in 2020, we uh, spun it out as its own 501c3, recruited a board of director, directors, an incredible group of people started doing year, year-round programming. And actually, this past uh, June 30th, I passed the baton to our new board chair, That's an incredible awesome. woman named Tiffany Wilson, who runs social media at Comcast. I mean, she is inspiring. I get goosebumps just saying her name. And she is the new board chair. And Wonderful. she and are, are moving the organization forward in a way that is sustainable and hopefully will exist for many, many years well after I'm done working in social media. No, that's exciting. So the 501c3 is formed out of your idea to to bring this. So do they do events all during the year or they just, the company exists to provide services to your industry? Is that how it works? 
So there are events happening all throughout the year now. The conference happens at the, the big annual conference will happen at the in end June. of June. Right. Yep. In October, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have our social media masters awards. Oh, so social good. media professionals are going to be recognized for their That's amazing great. work through awards. Uh, we host a super meetup in January with a lot of other marketing, advertising, and PR organizations where we get them all together, all the members of all these organizations together. And Social Media Day is the organizer for that. So that happens in January. Mm-hmm. And we've become a membership organization. So there's a, a mentoring program that's part of it. And we're working on adding some additional events throughout the year. But but the big three are the Super Meetup, the Annual Conference, and the Awards Program. That's great. So let's get back a little bit more to Slice itself, you know, growing that business. So now how many employees do you have? 22. Oh, We're so at 22. You had eight in, originally, and now you're up to 22. Yeah. That's so, full-time employees, right? That's right. That's right. And then we do have a network of freelancers and right. also an intern program um, as well. That's fabulous. Let's talk about that intern program that you have. I think that it's a great way of giving back, of teaching, and giving people in this area There's plenty of universities and students who need internships in Philadelphia, which I'm sure that's for our listeners all over. How did you start the intern program? I know that some people feel like interns take away too much. And I know that it's so important for them having been a mother and knowing the kids need internships. But tell us about the intern program and how it helps your business. Well, we've been really lucky to have your daughter counted (laughs) as one of our interns. So we've had the intern program for a very long time. I was Mm -hmm. very fortunate uh, to to have taken advantage of some incredible internships when I was in college. And really, my internships were the opportunities to learn practical things, but also to network with people that were already in the professional world that wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So our intern program, we run um, three different intern classes, if you will, throughout the course of the year. We have spring, summer, and fall, and we usually have anywhere from six to eight interns. And even through the pandemic, we were able to offer those internships virtually and continue to be able to offer virtual internships. We look for interns primarily in four areas. We look for content writers who are interns and give them an opportunity and a lot of feedback on their writing but the opportunity to really write for clients and businesses and get a lot of coaching and guidance around what works and what doesn't work in writing for digital marketing. We look for interns in community management and social media. So those that are out there listening and posting and researching trends and opportunities. Um, We have interns in graphic design now as well and interns in uh, media relations. So who want to learn how to reach reporters. Our interns tend to be with us somewhere between 10 and 12 weeks. They each get an individualized um, member of our full-time team as their coach and mentor. And the best part is that we have hired from our internship program quite a few of our full-time employees. That's amazing. Yeah. Marissa, who's our vice president of digital marketing, was an intern with us. Um, as well as as well as Caroline, our director of social media, and Jenna, who's one of our community managers in social media. She was an intern recently who became a full time employee. So we love hiring from our internship pool. That's terrific. You mentioned COVID and virtual. How does that affect your business? Do you 
I remember you had an office. Do you have an office where everyone is now or do you mainly work virtually? The advantage that our business had is that most of us are native digital communicators. So when we went virtual, yes, I mean, we already had our technology in place. We knew how to do it. We were already running some virtual meetings, but really our, our team is used to communicating digitally. So we, we, we're at an advantage there. Sure were, yes. In terms of how we operate today, uh, I think it was in 2021, some members of our team wanted to have an office. Mm-hmm. So whereas we had closed down our office, our, our lease had expired in 2020, so we were able to close it down pretty efficiently. We, we were fortunate. We were fortunate. Yeah. We opened an office in a co-working space in Center City in October 2021, and anybody who wanted to work there could work there. At the end of 2022, we acquired another agency out of Delaware. They had been in the office, but the owner of that business retained their office space, and we opened a co-working space in Wilmington as well. We opened an office in a co-working space. Our policy today is pretty much a choose-your-own-adventure policy. So if you're going to be better working from home, you can work from home. That said, we are a very client-centric organization. So if the clients need you on site for something, you go on site for something. You take the precautions and you make sure that you're going to be safe and healthy, but we really need to be responsive to our clients. Other than that, people can kind of work as as they're going to be the most efficient and the most productive and the most creative because those are the things that we care about. Right. I think that's the best approach. A lot of businesses that we talk to don't have that. Well, first of all, a lot of them had difficulty switching to virtual. And then now that they are, some people don't want to go back and so forth. But you said something that I think would be interesting to talk about, and that's a business acquisition. So you went from being acquired to being the acquirer. And tell us about that experience. We had put our toes in the water a little bit, I think back in 2018 or 2019, where we had acquired a book of business. We'd acquired some accounts from another agency. They decided that they were getting out of the social media business and we bought those accounts. And we learned a lot from that. It was a good way to like test and to try out this idea of acquiring accounts. In that acquisition, we didn't acquire any people or business or intellectual property, just accounts. But it was, okay. it was interesting to do the due diligence and to put a business model together and to do the valuation of those accounts and to do right. an earnout arrangement. And, and so we learned a lot from it. And then in, I guess it was early 2021, we decided as a leadership team that we wanted to explore growing through acquisition. In our business, in digital communications and public relations, there are some amazing entrepreneurs who started their businesses 20 years ago and are ready to be done. They're ready to be done. And we were fortunate to be in a good cash position to take a look at this and say, hey, is this a way that we want to grow? And so we, we were thinking about it as a leadership team and put some goals around it for uh, 2022. And out of the blue, I got a message one day from an old consultant of mine who said, hey, Cass, would you, would you ever think about like growing through acquisition? Like, would you ever acquire a firm? And I was like, ooh. Something is happening. <laughs> you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're getting a signal. <laughs> I'm getting a signal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I got in touch with a wonderful entrepreneur named Bridget who owned an agency called Gillespie Hall. And, and she had had it for about 20 years. And she wanted to make sure that her clients and her team were going to be in a good place, even as she moved on into that next phase of her life. 
So we started talking in February, Mm -hmm. went through a whole series of due diligence and financial analysis and really looking at what would we need in terms of retention and, and answering a lot of those questions that I did not ask when I sold the business. Where the cultures aligned, where the people right. aligned, where where the clients aligned, what would this look like in terms of changing their business systems, and which ones would we keep, and which ones would we merge into what we had to do? And so we took about ten months to go through that due diligence process, and then That's at the great. end of twenty twenty two, completed the acquisition. And so uh, yeah, we're about nine, almost ten months into the acquisition, and we've done some really cool work together. And uh, we won best places to work this year for our that's awesome. culture. Yeah. yeah, and and so still learned a lot, learned a lot through this acquisition. But generally, it's been very successful. That's really exciting. So mm-hmm. then, that makes you interested in possibly doing it again, right? We are. We are interested in doing it again. Yeah. I mean, there have to be a lot of boxes checked and a lot of conversations around cultural alignment and people alignment and client alignment. But right. I feel like we're getting to the point where, yeah, we'll be able to to do another one in the future. Let's talk one minute here because you said it a few times about culture. Mm. I remember the first time that I was in your offices way back when, and there I remember writing down, I don't know if there was six or eight on it. There was a chalkboard of things that were really important. Are they still important? And talk about culture. And how did you evaluate the culture of the company that you're purchasing as compared to your own? So company values continue to be important to us. We actually have changed them quite a bit since you were in our office and saw them on the chalkboard. And when we brought the two companies together this time, we actually reinvented our company values together. Um, We went through a whole series of exercises to really articulate like what makes us different and special as an organization. And we currently have four core company values. And when we're evaluating people to join the, the agency, when we're interviewing, we look at those core company values and we say, do they live these values? We um, actually review them every quarter. We just had our quarterly all-team meeting a couple of days ago, and we recognized people and gave out values awards for people who live those values. When we do reviews with our employees, we say, are you living these values or are you not? And a lot of times, if people aren't working out in the agency, it's because of a values issue that they don't truly live those values. So our four company values that we've created, we're a goal-oriented organization. We set goals. We set goals and we check in every week in terms of how we're doing against those goals. We are just those people. Like there are some people in life who are really goal-driven and that's us. Um, Our second core company value is continuous learning. We want people who always want to learn new things. We invest heavily in coaching, professional development, and something we call Slice University. And Slice University is an ongoing monthly continuing ed program where we bring in external experts or somebody from inside the agency decides they want to teach something to everybody else. So continuous learning and Slice University. Yep. Yep. That's what we want. We want people who are always reading books or articles or bringing new things to the table. We have a company value, which is called co-pilot attitude. This is a unique one, sometimes takes some explanation, but we think of our job to sit in the cockpit with our clients, to sit shoulder to shoulder with them, to sometimes like we have to take the wheel and say, okay, we're going to land this plane for you. Sometimes they take the wheel and say, okay, we're going this way, but really to be that co-pilot with them and to help them co-create where we're headed and what we're doing. 
And then our last core company value is what we call yes and energy. And if you're familiar with improv at all, there's this core fundamental principle in improv called yes and, which is about always accepting what's happening and then building on it. And so we are looking for people who see something and they're not a no, but person. They are a yes. And let's think about this or yes. And let's approach it this way or That's yes. Great. And I can build on that in this way. Like we want that energy, that like proactive, productive, positive, creative energy coming from our team. So those are the four company values. And you can see how like, it's very clear when you talk to somebody, do they have yes and energy or not? Are they willing to be the co-pilot or not? That's are they great. dedicated to continuous right. learning or not? Are they goal oriented or do they not care about goals at all? And they just want right. to do the day to day, right? right? So those four things really are the pillars of what our company is and who we want to be. And so while those four values weren't articulated in that way, when we made the acquisition, we had a sense of that. We were able to pick up on those things in the team members of the agency that we were going to acquire and also their willingness to co-create and to create together as part of this new combined company, the values that really mattered to us and then to adhere to those values. Well, you are a shining example of all four of them wrapped up into one. And that's always been you. I wouldn't have necessarily been able to articulate them in four concise categories. But from the beginning, what I said you know, about your innate abilities, besides, you know, your education in whatever it was you were studying, <laughs> brought you to this incredible place. Cass, I've learned so much. Just by talking to you today, things that I didn't even really know. And I appreciate everything that you shared with our audience from, you know, being acquired and acquiring and how to choose boards and how to, how to make culture the center of your business. It's been a wonderful interview. I hope that everyone out there has enjoyed it. Please tell us how everyone can get in touch with you and your company. Sure. I'm one of the easiest people to find on the internet, Lynn, and that um, is intentional. Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> if you look up Cass Bailey or Slice Communications, you should find me. But our website is slicecommunications.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Certainly find me there. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Or you can email me at cbailey at slicecommunications.com. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to have you today. Thank you, Lynn. It was so great spending this time together. I appreciate Thank you, you so much. Thanks for joining us today on Omnisites. Since 2010, multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.